Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shear, starting one minute late. Thank you for the uh, setting things up. The Shabbos is Tazir Mitzera. But is it really? It's Tazir Mitzera in Chutzlaret, it's Achimais Kedeshim in Etzel. Common question would be, of course, why don't they just do. Why didn't they do Tazir last week in Etzel and this week in Chutzlaret, Tazir Mitzera and catch up? It's long, it's involved, and it's not for now. Billy and a different shear. Tazria and Mitzeda are two things that also, in essence, don't really flow together. Tazria talking about Vahayisha Kizazia, and Mitzeda, of course, referring to the Mitzeda, the Tzeras, the leprosy. Like to notify, of course, say again that the Shir is dedicated to the Nishmas and these the Shlamis Bas Meshe Meshe. Tonight, I'd like to reach out, call out, or however you want to do it, shout out a happy birthday to my son Ezra. Another birthday that took place this week, of course, as everybody knows, is Bey's ear. The birthday of the fourth Chabad Rebbe, the Rebbe Maharash. Which, although, as we said, was already this week, we will, in Yatza Hashem, really not elaborate on that as well. As we've done in the past, we'll also discuss Pirkei Avis, which does stay, Pirkei Avis does stay together with Achenu Bnei Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. We are both doing Perik Beis. They did not start a Pasha Shmini. When they read Pasha Shmini, they did not start Pirkei Avis, Perik Aleph. The Rebbe Marash had more than just a shita, more than just a train of thought. Rebbe Marash had a motto. The motto of the Rebbe Marash was the Chatchila Rebbe. The Rebbe would say, "There are times where we confront. We have to." There are times we need to confront controversy. When we can confront controversy, there's different ways of getting around it. Sometimes you go from the side, sometimes you go under it, sometimes you go head on with it. The first approach that you take when you confront controversy is you go over it. 
And there are times we find in our life many difficult choices, whether it be a choice about marriage, whether it be a choice about getting out of a marriage, whether it be a choice of business, whether it be a choice of getting out of a business, Life is full of controversy. And life is full of choices. How do we know we're making the right choice? How do we know that the situation put in front of us is not too difficult for us to overcome? How do we know that we don't have to just give up, throw our hands up and say, I can't anymore? The Marash says there is no such thing. We do not give up when we come to a controversial issue, when we come to a situation. We go over this. We overcome it. We overpower it. And we forge ahead. Sometimes it feels helpless. We feel helpless and it feels like a hopeless situation. We feel there's no way out. We feel there's no way around this. There's no way any longer that we can continue, that we can go on. Once again, this is the idea of the Reb Marash. We don't allow it to get to us. We don't allow it to control us. The Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, about the concept of depression. Depression is as if one is serving idol worship. If you get depressed over a situation, it's as if you're serving idol worship. Serving idols. What does one have to do with the other? Why would a person be depressed? lack of funds, their situation isn't as good as they wanted it to be, they're not in the place they want to be, their friends have more than they do. In essence, when someone is saying that, when someone is acting that way, in essence they are saying that God cannot provide God cannot do what I need. And by denying and by not having full faith that God can come through for us, and God can do what we need, we're in denial of God, Chassam And this is as if one is serving an idol. Because one is saying that God can't help me. We've told that story before. 
of the fellow that falls off a cliff is holding on to a branch for a dear life. He's looking down at the 10,000 foot drop and he calls up to God. He says, God help me please. And he hears the heavenly voice say to him, do you believe in me? He says, of course I believe in you. Do you believe I can save you? He says, of course I believe you can save me. Do you have complete faith? He says, I have complete faith, God. God says, leave go of the branch. The fellow looks down at the 10,000 foot drop. And he says, leave go of the branch. He looks back up to heaven. And he says, anybody else up there could help me? What is he saying? What is his message? What is he thinking? Although Pashtazia, which talks about the birth of a child, birth of a baby boy, on the eighth day his bris, as we know, as we don't know, I'd like to also mention that a good friend, uh, Steve Madar and Erica, and they like to bring their son tomorrow into Bris Mila, into the covenant of Abraham. We should have a lot of nachas from him and from the other children. There was a chassid once of the Dubna Magid, of the, let's get that one right, the Chayza Lublin. The Chayza Lublin was called the Chayza because he had a tremendous Ruch HaKadosh. He saw from one end of the world to the other, they would say. And this Chassid had a major issue. He had a bunch of daughters to marry off. And in the olden days, you didn't have a dowry. There was nothing to talk about. Nobody went near you. And his wife insisted that he goes to the Chayza and he talks to the Chayza and asks for a blessing. But each time he came to the Chayza, He stood in front of the Chayza and the Kedusha, the radiance, the holiness that came in front of him, made him forget about all his problems. He was so exalted being in front of the Rebbe that he never mentioned it. Finally, his wife told him, You go back there and you better talk to the Rebbe about this situation. Or else, we all know, when the wife says, or else, you watch out. So he came to the Chayza. What he didn't know was, at the same time, right after he left, his wife got on a horse and wagon, and she left. And she also went to the Chayzeh. And she arrived before him. And when she gets, when he gets there, everybody's talking and humming about, uh-oh, you know your wife is here. Well, now there was no way out. And he came into the Rebbe and he told the Rebbe his state of affairs. He told him his problems, the issues... And the Chayza asked him, why did you never mention this to me? Why did you never tell me this? 
And he says, Rebbe, I assume that the Rebbe has Ruach HaKedosh, has the Holy Spirit that rests upon him, and he sees my problem, and he knows on his own. And if the Rebbe is not blessing me, then I figure that maybe I'm not fit. The Jesus said to him, when it came to Tzeras, when it came to the leprosy, on the skin, on the flesh, the Pasuk says, you were brought before the Kohen. person needed to approach the Kohen. Now, technically speaking, in today's day and age, in modern language, why couldn't he just text the Kohen? Text him and say, I think I got Saras. Today you could even send the picture to Hashtag or Instagram, whatever it is. And dear Kayan, please uh, let me know. He had to go to the Kayan. Why did he have to go to the Kayan? Why did the Kayan not know on his own that this man was in trouble? Because that was the way the Kohen was able to deem it. What happens though if this plague, if this magi, if this saras was in the house, in the wall of the house? Then what was done? Couldn't exactly bring the house. But a person had to go, tell the Kohen, please come. Or he'd say, something like a plague looks at this in my house. So we see, therefore, that when there's a plague in a house, the person needs to notify the Kayan. We can't rely on the Kayan knowing on his own. And so too, said the Cheza, that you have a problem at home, if you don't tell me, I don't know it. So therefore, that I've told him that until you don't tell me, I don't know about these things. Our Pasha talks about Tazriya, as we said before and Mitzayr et Salas. If you're keeping score at home, there's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Tzadik Ches Amit Beis, 98, side 2. A extremely famous Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara asks, Ma Shmoi. What is his name? Referring, of course, to Mashiach. What is Mashiach's name? Rabbono Namri, the Gemara says, the sages tell us, He is called, Rashi explains what's Chivra, a Mitzayda, 
of the house of Rebbe. Why call Mashiach a Mitzayra? What an odd name to refer to Mashiach as. A Mitzayra? A leper? The Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe writes in the Sefer Lekutitayra, when it refers to Negoyim, Negoyim of course being the plagues on the person, and he writes, Negoyim Dvarim Gvoyim Hain. Negoyim are very high items, they're very high sources. They're not impure until the Kayan deems them as such. A person walking around with a tzeras is not tame until the koyen says to him, you are tame. As long as the koyen does not pass judgment on them, saying that the person is tame, they are not at all impure. And Adrab, just the opposite. They're from very high lights. They're hard question on holiness. And therefore, says the Alter Rebbe, you have to bring them before Aaron Akayin. Why the Kayin? Why Aaron Akayin? Because the Kayin is what's called Chesed Ilah, the highest level of chesed, of kindness, compassion, not compassion, kindness, and he could make it even sweeter when he says that it's actually tohir, it's pure, which means to say that the concept, the nega itself, before being deemed as impure by the kayin, has no impurity. But rather, it is pure spirituality. Gvura, the concept of gvura lemaila, strength. <coughs> the root of gvura, which sounds like it's so fierce and so harsh. The root and the source are not an union of such judgment, such restraint of kindness. The opposite. Gvura comes from the Lushan Tagbiris. Enhancement. Tagbiris Achais. Like Gvura's Gishamim the strength of the, of the rain, referring to its, the goodness that we get. The hashpo in his kabrus v'yaseda, the reflection, the, the influence that one has, when they have that extra, the overcoming one, one more step. But this hashpo, this influence is so high, comes from such a high source, We couldn't write, we can't ascertain, we can't reach such a high source. And Gvura, like this, comes down 
it goes down from level to level. And this ultimately translates into the Gevura that we see in this world, which is a strength which holds back and refrains, restrains. And especially if the person is not fit for this great influence from God. The same thing is the union of the Nega. The same thing is this leprosy this plague, its first source is Tagbedes HaKedusha, the highest lights that there are. And we as creations cannot reach this and cannot grasp these great lights. And therefore, ultimately, very, very difficult judgments come about because they're all still up in the highest holy spheres. When these things translate into the physical mundane world, they turn into impure plagues. This is why Mashiach is called a Mitzayda. In the time of the Gula, in the time of the redemption, Mashiach will come in Yetzirah tonight, we will go out of all our boundaries, all our restraints. And the highest lights will then be able to be revealed to us that we cannot right now deal with, we cannot cope with. And these lights will be revealed to every single creature in creation. At that point we will be able to overcome the concept of Kedusha, the highest level. And it comes to the Bechina of Mitzayda, as is in the source that will be revealed in this world. Saras. The person wakes up one day, he was talking too much Lashon Hara, and when a person talks Lashon Hara, the punishment is Tzadas. When the walls of a house hear too much Lashon Hara, they can develop Tzadas. Now, ironically, we began tonight talking about coping with controversy, overcoming controversy. When we need to look at a house, and the house is deemed impure, they can't take the house out of the machna. The law is, a person that has a leprosy needs to go out of the camp of Israel and has to stay there for seven days in solitude. A house cannot do that. But what they do do is they break out, if the house does not clear up after seven days, they break out that piece of wall and they throw it out. And then you have to patch it up. 
So the person, or the housewife at least, starts to scream. What are you making holes in my walls? You're ruining my house. My castle. Debishta had a different plan. Debishta has a plan. And Debishta wants us to know that everything that happens in this world is good. And we unfortunately have a jolly hard time doing that. Understanding that. Grasping that. It's called a spade a spade. A phone bill, electric bill, and a gas bill shows up at once. How do you cover all the bills at once? A mortgage, a rent, the water bill. It gets to a point where it's insurmountable, the health insurance. How do I deal with this? Why am I being given all this pressure? But as we said before, the defeatist attitude is like serving worship, idol worship, idols. It's like worshiping idols. We cannot be a defeatist because we believe that God will come through for us in the 7th hour, in the 11th hour, in the 12th hour. But God does come through for us. And therefore, we need to believe that this will happen. And what we are going through is good because it's coming from God. When the Kananim heard that the Jews were coming... Sheesh. 50 years ago. I gotta wait for someone to get back to this computer. I can't tell the story until you're not by your computer. Hello? Atlanta, there you are. 50 plus years ago, they had a skit in camp. The guy comes, Kayachel. He was Paul Revere. Mm-hmm. He was dressed up with that three-cornered hat and the socks in his pants and his socks, and he had a, a broomstick for a horse, and he's running and he's screaming, "The British are coming! The British are coming!" And we had the screen, the backdrop of this, the stage <coughs> it was a, like a house. It looked like a house, and he's screaming, "The British are coming! The British are coming!" And all of a sudden, the window pops open. And this Arab sticks his head out the window. And he says, what? So the guy says again, the British are coming, the British are coming. He says, oh, thank Allah, I thought you said the Yiddish are coming. When the Kananim heard that the Yidin were coming to Israel, you missed it, you were talking. You'll hear it on the rebound. When the Kenanim heard the Yidin were coming to Israel to conquer the land, they knew that nobody could stand in their way. <coughs> and they said, okay, they're going to take our land. They're going to take our houses. They'll take 
our businesses. But they're not getting our jewelry. They're not getting our gold and silver. So what do they do? They buried all the gold and silver in the walls of their houses. Boayim, and a person had saras in his wall. If he did tshuva, for the, if he repented for the reason that he had the saras in his wall, if he did a proper tshuva, and <coughs> the saras dissipated, or the saras became clean. but was at an extent that needed to be broken out. When they broke out the Tzeras, they found treasures that the Kananim hid in the walls. So ultimately the Tshuva was accepted to such an extent, says God, that although you have this Agmas Nefesh, although you are going to be being subjected to this painful issue, that they're breaking out a piece of your wall, I am rewarding you so much more fold with all the gold and the silver that was hidden in that wall. And it was revealed to you through the Siddhas. If the person was Zeicher. Adam kiyeh be'er b'sarei se'esei se'pachas and he needs to come to Aaron Akayim. He needs to come, says the Tata, He's brought to Aaron Akayim. Now the truth is that Aaron Akayim didn't even make it into the show. He didn't make it into the Holy Land. He passed away in Herahar before entering. So the first question that of course you have, it says, Aaron does that mean only to Aaron? Or does it mean to any Kayin? Well, the Rambam writes, in Hilchus, of course, Tumas Saras, Perik Tes, Halacha Beis, even though everyone is fit to check Negoyim, to check leprosy, to check these plagues, saying, deeming it pure or impure, can only be done by a Kayim. Ketzad, how did this work? Kayin sheni yadeyadiris. A kayin that did not know his ear from a hole in the ground. He didn't know which was which. He had no idea how to check leprosy. Hechacham reu. They come to the rabbi, the chacham. Ve'emerlei. And says to him, the rabbi looks at the Saras and says to the Kayin, Emoir Tomei. Say, this is Tomei. 
Vihakrain Aimer Tame and the Kayin says Tame and the person becomes Tame. The Rama finishes, Even if this Kayin was a young Kayin or a Shaita, a fool. The Chacham, the Chacham tells him, the Rabbi tells him what to say, and he says it. We studied, we spoke last week about Meirelifnei Rabbi. The children of Aaron said a past judgment in front of Mesha. And that was one of the reasons, said Rashi, why they passed away. In this case, we find a very, very different twist. We find that the actual judgment is done by the Kayin. Even if the Kayin is an ignoramus and does not know how to make the judgment, does not know how to deem this clean or not clean, and has to go to get a rabbi who's not a Kayin to check this for him. But the rabbi may not tell the person what his opinion is. The only one that can repeat the opinion is the Kayin. Why? Why does the Tata go through such lengths? To make it Dafka the Kayan's job to do this. Even if he's a shaitar or a cotton, the Mitzayra does not become Tomei until the Kayan says so. In other words, if the person had a local rabbi who was not a Kayan, and he went to his local rabbi and said, Rabbi, I think I have a Tzeras. And the rabbi looked at it, and the rabbi understood it. The rabbi knew all the laws inside out. The rabbi could not do anything about it. The rabbi could not say pure, impure, nothing. Only a Kayan could do it, and he had to go to the Kayan, the Kayan had to tell him this. We learn Tata with four ways. Through Pshat, the explanation. Remez, the hint of what we can derive. Drush, what we learn out from something. And Said, which is the secrets of the Tata. To explain this concept, not through Pshat or Remez, but rather through Drush, The concept of impurity when it comes to tzeras, to a leprosy, is from the worst types of impurity. <clears throat> As the Pasha tells us, the person needs to be exiled outside of the three camps of the Jews and needs to sit alone, solitary confinement. And this is therefore what the Taylor says. To take a person out of Machne Yisrael, out of the holy Machne Chas the holy camp of Jews, 
We don't rely on the brightest, on the biggest experts, on the smartest rabbis. The ones that know all the laws and all the dinam. Because perhaps he has a not good attribute within him. And although he's using Das Teda, although he's passing judgment based on his Teda knowledge, we are concerned perhaps one of his attributes, one of his behavioral entities are dictating this ruling. And it's not coming from the actual source of holiness. The only person in Klal Yisrael, in the the entire Jewish nation, that can say, that I have a commandment to bless the Jewish nation out of love. Everyone has potential to bless a fellow Jew. Every Jew. And you tell people too, you didn't go in opposite directions, they leave each other. And it's like, be well. That's a blessing. You don't know it until you're 50, 60 years old, what how kind of blessing it really is. When you tell you, be well. Yes. When your bones start creaking, your joints start aching. Then you begin to appreciate when every time someone tells you, Zai Gesund. So it's long leben. should live long. Off the Jewish tongue is natural. It rolls off the Jewish tongue. Blessings. Unfortunately, there's the opposite as well. <laughs> that roll off people's tongues. But who is the person that has a commandment to bless the Jews. And the commandment was not just given that they should bless the Jews, but the blessing should be done with love. That is the Kayin. The Ish Chesed, the Ish Chasidecha, as it says in Zeisabracha. We rely on Him to give the not only the foundation of this of these, this Jewish judgment, this Taylor judgment. But we know that a Kayin could never say bad about a Jew. Unless the Jew really, unfortunately, was in the predicament. Minimum person. And therefore this Jew, the Kayin would only say good. Based on what the Torah tells us, Aren Hakoyin, behavior Aren Hakoyin, we learned last week in Pirkei Avos, have a Tamidim she Aren Hakoyin, Oyves Habriyes, that have full love 
when the Kayin has the love of his forefather Arin and truly feels for a fellow Jew the way Arin felt for a fellow Jew, we know very well in that case that if he passed the judgment again, telling a Jew that he needs to be excommunicated, God forbid, he knew what he was saying and he meant it only because of good. And this we see also in Pirkeyavis. In this week's Pirkeyavis, the first Pedic, second Pedic, I'm sorry, first Mishnah. Rabbi Yehimah Rabbi says, What is the right path that a man should choose for himself? Something that is honorable for himself. And brings him honor from man. Should take English. you need to be very careful. The mitzvah In the performance of a seemingly minor mitzvah, as careful as you are with a major one. Why? We don't know the reward of the mitzvahs. And consider the loss that you might occur, that might be incurred, while performing a mitzvah against the reward earned by its observance. And the gain derived from committing the sin against the loss that we come across with it. Ultimately, he finishes the Mishnah Know what is above you. I in Raya, an eye that sees, eyes in Shemas, an ear that hears, the Cholma Secha, the Sefer And all that you do is written down. Every night, when we go to bed, which is one good reason not to go to sleep, our neshama goes above and Leibish goes above and is presented with the daily work. So it came back. It's presented with a video of exactly what went on, what, what went down that day. And the Neshama then signs the person's signature, affirming that he knows exactly what happened that day. The Hefzid of the Aveda, the Bavadya of Bartanura, teaches that this means The person needs to focus on the endless spiritual advantage he gains from doing a mitzvah. Giving tzedakah until it hurts 
person feels, I have a monetary loss, I'm giving away my money. But you don't know the reward that you have from giving this money. And so too, when doing a sin, the person feels temporary gratification. They did a sin, it was good, a good Aveda. They have in the uh, in the Magzer by the Misnagdish Magzerim before the Alchaitz and Yom Kippur says at this point do a small sin so that you have what to say Alchaitz for. We don't have that problem, unfortunately. We'd like to add some Alchaitz, as a matter of fact, if anything. This whole concept raises a question. Tshuva, repentance, has the potential to wipe away all the person's sins. How can it be considered an eternal loss? The Altarebbe writes in Tanya, Perich of Tess, when a person turns to Hashem with complete tshuva, he renews his relationship with God. As if it becomes as if he never sinned. But the sin itself is not totally wiped out. Somewhere in the depth of his heart is still a mark from this sin. As the person gets more and more involved in spirituality, it pushes this deeper into a deeper abscess, into a deeper further away. So although tshuva is effective, but a sin is everlasting. Finally he says, know what is above you, the three things, the Ayin Raya, Ezer Shemas, Seif Nechtovim. The Mazid Shemagid would say, you should know that everything above, everything not know what is above, but rather everything above, Everything that transpires in the spiritual realms is from you. It's dependent on your conduct. Each of us has the potential to influence the most elevated and spiritual realms. The action of a Jew is like a long cord, a rope that reaches down from heaven to us. We pull on it, it's like this long cord that rings the bell. The bell is up in the tower. The man is down on the ground. But yet, the man pulls on the cord and the chime rings the bell. I need to be corrected on that. What's the tongue inside the, the bell called? It's not a chime. Someone save me. The inside of a bell, the big bells that they ring, has a, like a clucker, what's it called? <laughs> I'm in trouble. Okay. That's another, just another one of those words that I didn't find. I won't even tell you it's on the tip of my tongue because I really don't feel that I have it there. Um... 
Turning to Mesechtis Saita. I know this is a while back, but I'm unfortunately behind. Dafir Aleph goes through what goes on, went through Mitzrayim. And it tells us of the different Psukim. Hold on. I don't think it affected the guy. Why would it affect the guy? Why would it affect the Gentile? Why would it help? It affected the Jew. The Jew knew he had to do tshuva for it. I don't see it. Not to my recollection. The Gemara tells us the Pesach says in the tale of Ayyem Melech Mitzayim Lameyaldis Hebrius the king of Egypt told to the house to the um, midwives who are the midwives? There's a Zemachalik who says the Gemara Rav Vishmuel Two opinions. Who the midwives were. The opinions are one of one of the opinions is Rav and the other is Shmuel. If you're following me here, I'm on your Allah from base in the middle of the Omid. Maybe four lines under the middle. Chad Omar. One of these two, Rav or Shmuel says, must be Rav, because he was first. Isha Ubito. It was a woman and her daughter. This team of midwives was a woman, a mommy and daughter team. The Chadama once says Kalavachamesa was a mother in law and her daughter in law. Now the mother wants to know who were these people? So Manda Omar Isha Ubito, the one that says it was a daughter and a mother, Yecheved Umiriam. It refers to Yecheved and Miriam. Manda Omar Kalavachamesa, and the one that says it was a woman, a daughter, a woman, a mother-in-law, and a daughter-in-law, Yecheved Velisheva. It was Yecheved Velisheva, which was Aaron Akayan's wife. Tanya says the Yamara we learned Nebraisa. Command Yamar Isha Ubita in uh, when it comes to reference of the one that says Isha Ubita, the mother and the daughter. The Tanya with Nebraisa Shifra Zuyachavit. Who was Shifra? There were two women that were the Miyaldis. One was Shifra, one was Pua. Shifra refers to Yechavit. Why was she called Shifra, says the Gemara? She straightened out the children. And the other opinion why is she called Shifra is because the Jews multiplied. Pua. Who is Pua, says the Gemara? Zum Miriam refers to Miriam and Aviyah. Lama Nikrashma Pua. Why was she called Pua? 
She would take out the children. She would deliver. She spoke with Ruach HaKadosh. She prophesied. And Paya's notion of speaking out, she spoke out a prophecy. What was the prophecy she said? The medicine she said, In the future, my mother will have a child, a boy, a son, that will be the savior of the Jewish nation. When did she say this prophecy? She prophesied this She prophesied this when her parents had separated. Because of the decree, many Jews separated from their wives. And that was one of the mitzvahs that the women had. They went out, the Gemara, the same Ahmed says, tells us that the women had a miracle. They would go out to draw water. And in their buckets, God would put fish. He would make a half a bucket of fish, a half a bucket of water. They would take the fish and prepare it. They would boil the water to bring it out to the fields to help their husbands wash up. The women themselves would beautify themselves so that when they came out to the husbands, the husbands would be excited, happy to see them. And thus they would be able to procreate. And they would go home and have the children. Excuse me. They would go home, they'd become pregnant. They would go out to the fields to have the children. They gave birth in the fields. The angels came with two rings. One ring of oil, one ring of of honey. And the little infants with sucklings would draw their nourishment from this. Although they say that little children under a year shouldn't have honey. But this is how the Gemara tells us they lived. When the Egyptians got wind of what was going on, there was a field full of little babies. They came running. God made a miracle and the entire ground swallowed up all the babies. The Egyptians were so spiteful and hateful that they plowed the ground. They plowed up the whole land. Oh, baby, thank you. The ringer and the bell is called a clapper. Yes. Thank you, Atlanta, Georgia. Woof. What would we be without you? We'd have a soundless bell. <laughs> Maybe the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia wouldn't be broken today because it wouldn't have had a clapper. Anyway, the Egyptians would come and they would plow the fields, relying on the plow to go deep enough into the ground to kill the children. When they passed through the whole fields and didn't find anything, they left. And then the children surfaced again. Ultimately the children grew up 
and went home to their prospective parents. These very children, when it came to Kriyas Yamsov, yeah, it's your phone. When it came to Kriyas Yamsov, they say, This is God. How do they know? When they say Zeh, Zeh is Marab They pointed with their fingers, showing definitively, they see God, this is the God. <coughs> tells us the Gemara, Medish tells us actually, when the children came from the fields, and the parents said, Ha, who are you? They said, we are your children, your babies that you left in the field. How did you live? How did you survive? was the parents' question. And the children told of this fascinating story of the angels that brought them oil, brought them honey, brought them water. And they were able to suckle, and they were able to nurse from it, and they grew up and nurtured. And they saw godliness, they saw God helping them survive. So the parents were a little skeptical about this story of the children. And therefore when they arrive at the Yamsuf, the children say, Remember I told you about the God that saved us? This is the one. Now everyone saw. So they were able to prove it. Way we merit the Shabbos, that all the impurities be purified, and it all be elevated so that we see the true lights, the proper lights, the lights of the spirituality of the highest level, from Eir Ein Seif from that never-ending light of God. We merit to hear Teira Chadasha Mititetze in Yerushalayim Yerakedish. With the Metzera, Mashiach, leading us, Shabbat Shalom to all.